Welcome to a special edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. And joining us is Clifford Winston, Senior Fellow in Economic Studies at the Brookings Institution, co-author of Autonomous Vehicles, The Road to Economic Growth, and author of the forthcoming book, Gaining Ground, Markets Helping Government. Thanks for joining us, Cliff. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Nice to see you, Cliff. Well, Alan, with the news of the crash this week outside of Houston involving a Tesla Model S that killed two people, 69-year-old Everett Talbot and 59-year-old Dr. William Varner, it was important to come on and talk about the impact and some of the issues here. Uh, yes, I, I think we need to discuss it a little bit. This is um, this is, I think, one of the big ones we've had. We've had a few big ones in the past. Uh, Jonathan Brown went in in uh, Florida, uh, what four years back now, or you know, we should pick and look at the date and. And then a couple years ago, uh, Lane Herzberg in in, um, in um, Arizona. I mean, these have been these are major uh, points of 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 news and of reflection on you know what it is that we're doing, how we're doing it, and um, and um, this I guess is going to be another one. Well, the investigation is ongoing. We'll preface everything by saying that first, and there may be information that comes out that. We're not aware of at this point, but according to authorities, neither of the two men were in who were in the vehicle were, was driving at the time it collided with a tree and caught fire. One was in the passenger seat, one in the back seat. And while initial reports said it took uh, four hours to put out the fire, car and driver is quoting the fire chief as saying the initial fireball was contained in a matter of minutes, but there were small flare-ups that took longer to put out. And Elon Musk said this week that uh, data logs show that autopilot was not enabled in the car and it did not have full self-driving, what he calls full self-driving. So there's a lot still that we don't know. I guess authorities are trying to get all of that data for their investigation. Cliff, let's bring you in here. You have some initial thoughts and had a uh, an initial response to this as well. Yeah, sure. I, I think that this this crash, which was totally predictable, you know, I, I mentioned this in my book, a uh, footnote in my book, that this was inevitably going to happen. Motivates, I think, two concerns with what's going on with, with the AV world. The first that is that something that, that Musk in particular needs to appreciate, but I think everybody, is that safety is an externality for the industry. So let me, let me make an obvious point. If American Airlines gets in a crash, United does not then run an ad the next day and say, fly us, we're safe, right? That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I worked in broadcasting for a long time, and I know whenever there's a crash, all commercials related to the industry and travel get canceled. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and, and that's what you call an externality. You know, right. When one firm does something, it really affects the others. And so this is a classic example of that. You know, Tesla gets... A Tesla is involved with an AV feature, let's say, whether it was working or not, you know, will be, be decided later. But it obviously is bad for the whole industry because now we get the uproar again about AVs and are they safe? All right. So, you know, that is harmful. And, and Musk just does not seem to care that, you know, he's hurting the whole cause. Now, Musk does have a response to this, and I'm sure... We're going to hear it if we haven't already. And that is, well, you know, the fact that Tesla has this feature is potentially useful because you get the experiment of seeing, okay, here is Tesla with autonomous technology. Are those, despite even this crash, safer than cars with non-autonomous technology? Okay. Now, that, that may even be a true statement, but this is just not the time to run that experiment as we're trying to get AVs adopted, okay? 
that there is a time maybe to make that point, but this isn't, isn't the time to do it. Quickly, second point is it again points to the lack of a federal champion for autonomous vehicles. This is to me the most frustrating thing. Policymakers should be 110% behind this, trying to get these things adopted safely and set up the appropriate federal safety standard, all right, which they're going to need one way or the other. You know, NHTSA or Congress or somebody is going to have to say, here are the standards that these cars have to meet to be adopted. They have not done that. Now, a lot of people say, well, Tesla was not breaking the law by driving around with even with the autonomous feature. And that is true. But again, but that is simply because policymakers have not engaged and intervened and said, look, we are now going to set the standard so Tesla cannot do this and have the accident that is now you know, causing concerns. But we just do not have anybody. One request, I would love to have a podcast and love to be invited <laughs> where you invite Secretary Buttigieg. Get him on. And I would like to ask him some basic questions. Why aren't you championing this technology? <laughs> Mayor Pete, Secretary Pete, whatever we want to call him, you're invited. Cliff, Cliff, I want to do that one too. And of course, you know, I, I, I agree with, I, I really agree with you. You know, I've said for I think some time that this, this technology is, is, is potentially so good that it probably deserves a separate mode. It, it, it deserves it. It's not an asterisk on on <laughs> conventional roadways. It's not, you know, you know, we we and we have modal administrations that deal with railroads and pipelines and airplanes and even trucks, you know, and 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 this is and this deserves it. Here we are trying to deal with asterisks on top of it. You know, it's like you know baseball, you know. Um, uh, record books you, you, <laughs> you know there's a drug era and there's a what era and there's a spitball era and whatever and they try to you know, this but this is this is not just the spitball on 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 a pitch this is this is potentially fundamentally changing both the economy the way we get around and so on this is this is bigger than transit transit only serves one percent of the purpose person trips and it has its own administration okay i mean cut it out it's a it's it's a it's it's in the niche yet it has its own administration and and these things are these things have the potential of becoming much more than a niche well the important thing also again you know on the policy side is the social issues we would not be having the confrontations between police and motorists with autonomous vehicles. It's so obvious. I mean, this is the kind of thing, if you if you want to make some immediate progress on police yeah. violence, get autonomous vehicles out there. Yeah. Right? You, 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 won't, you won't have any broken taillights, right? right? Because <laughs> the thing's going to come in, they're going to know they're going to fix it. It's a responsible, not, yeah. it's a responsible and probably a financially uh, successful comp- entity who's going to fix its taillights. I mean, the reason why there's a broken taillight that somebody has to pull somebody over is they're too poor to fix it. And so they get a ticket over here in Hamilton, you know, don't pay it, come to Princeton, get another ticket, get pulled over. Oh, my goodness, there's there's now a warrant for your arrest. And now you go to jail. I mean, I, I mean, how do you get out from under this stuff? Go to jail. Let's not go there. Absolutely. I mean, yes, Cliff, I mean, you opened up the Pandora's box on that one. Well, let me add the other one. And that's COVID. I mean, you know, we are now concerned there are going to be other pandemics. We know autonomous vehicles are very helpful in preserving economic life and at the same time as facilitating social distancing. Right. Again, it's so obvious for a policymaker to get up there on these social issues and say, look, we need these things. They're going to be extremely helpful for these issues. Let's get going. I do not understand why there is no champion for this mode it is just <laughs> absolutely and plus in a pandemic you know we can do our stuff like we're doing it if you if you're blue collar and you have to dig a ditch 
You have to go where, to where the ditch is be, it needs to be dug. Guess what? You need mobility to get there. Does New Jersey Transit go to the places where ditches are being dug? No. I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> Absolutely, Cliff. Uh, we, we need to say, say that very strongly. And well, we, we want to talk more about the infrastructure. On, I, I hope, my, let me make the request again. If some member of Congress or, or someone from DOT, get him on your podcast and let's, let's get this out there with this discussion. I really would like to know their responses you know, to these concerns. We will continue to, to make that effort. And we're going to come back to the infrastructure bill yeah, in, yeah. In, in a couple minutes too. But let's talk a little bit about the responsibility of the car makers here. We're building all of this great equipment, safety equipment, whether you call it autopilot, whatever you want to call it, building this into the vehicle. And some of this with, with this particular accident outside of Houston doesn't seem to make sense. Crash, crash, crash. The, the it's crash. not an accident. Well, some of it, what, we, what we've heard about, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if there was nobody in the driver's seat and if it wasn't on autopilot or, or have full self-driving, how could this vehicle be moving? So the pieces don't fit together from what we know so far. Yeah, but 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 Fred, I think those those questions, sorry, are irrelevant here. Okay, and the reason why they're irrelevant is, I guess, one of the things that I've been on the the soapbox I've been on lately is when we talk about crashes. Um, you know, the 90-some percent of crashes that involve humans in, in there are because of human misbehavior. And, and I, I've decided to term it misbehavior because it is misbehavior. It's either, you know, we do this or we grab our phones or we tailgate or we are angry or who knows what, pick our noses, butts, whatever, you know, things that we do as well as you know, we want to show off or something like who knows what what causes i mean these guys one is a doctor they're like you know they're old people like like us cliff i mean and fred i mean you know what the, what the hell was i mean i hope alcohol was involved in some sense or whatever what you know well, what, Fred what, does raise a point though i mean yeah. this is similar to the boeing 737 max in that the manufacturer does have a responsibility oh, yeah, yeah. to ensure that users do understand how to use the technology, are using it safely. Now, obviously, an airplane is more seemingly more complicated uh, than than an automobile. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, you know, not running over children on Cleveland Lane is pretty maybe more complicated than. But yeah. go ahead, go keep going. That it's in both cases. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The pilots involved in the crashes of seven thirty seven Maxes allegedly you know did not respond properly uh, to the warnings of that they were receiving mm -hmm. as to you know what the problems were. Now I don't know if, if these guys received any warnings. You know, Musk is obviously trying to cover himself and saying, you know, something wasn't on, all that. But I think, you know, it, it is clearly a warning for all people involved here that they do have a responsibility, especially with a new technology, you know, to, to make very significant efforts that people understand what they're doing. And that, that, to me, that's, that's really where, continuing to go down the line you're going, where the corporate responsibility is required. There needs to be leadership up there, not only promoting it as something that really improves the, the, the comfort, convenience, and safety of the vehicle, but also to say, look, there are limits to this, cool it. Don't go out there and be a crazy with it. Don't go out there and give me visions that I'm that this car is is like it, it can go out there and whatever and whatever if it has so and so, but I only have the version that's whatever, but I expand that to my in my own mind. And I think that that's where where Musk has sort of gone the, the, too far. Thank you for taking us as far as you've taking, taken us, but don't give us all these visions that all of a sudden this thing, it's, it's, I call it stupid summon. I called it stupid summon from the day it came out. Why? Because all of a sudden I can now have my car go park itself from outside. 
then given that, what am I going to think? Oh, my goodness, I could do more. I can let it cross the street. I can take it to Costco. I can go to Cliff's house sure. and deliver, you know, my whatever that I want to give you. And it can't. And what he has not done is, is, is emphasize, look, take advantage of the greatness, but cool it. I think don't think it's going to go. Vision again about the technology. This is a new technology. We're, st we're still learning its strengths and weaknesses. If, if, if you have the blind vision that, okay, this thing is ready to go, right? You will never be ready for things that you know, we can't imagine now where we're going right. to have problems with AVs. And people are already raising the concern, well, what happens if it has a choice of you know, hitting a person or hitting a tree, all this kind oh, of stuff. Don't go there. Don't go there. That's too weird. But the point okay. being yeah, is that yeah. there's learning. That's the idea. Is Absolutely. New technology, you need to learn about its capabilities, and you have to really go slowly and touch the waters as you're introducing it to make sure you don't make obvious mistakes. And there are going to be mistakes. I mean, it's ridiculous to think there won't be. It's the same way you, inter you introduce aircraft. Yeah, you, you learn that there are particular sources of crashes that in the future you will definitely need to be ready for. It's the same thing with an AV and they should approach it that way. You have to be a little humble with your right. vision, okay? Yes, you can do great things. Let's capture those benefits and let's not get ahead of ourselves here. And I think he, unfortunately, uh, you know, I get ahead of myself all the time and I run into the same problem, but you really need to, I want to even go back a little bit. Why was the automated emergency braking system not keeping that car from hitting a tree? Right. Okay. Forget about full self-driving, forget about autopilot. These cars are supposed to have, and I'm sure that Tesla has, an automated emergency braking system. I would hope that automated emergency braking system would keep a car from hitting a tree. Or at least make an effort. You know, we don't or at least make an effort or something, or there's data in that law that he has that all of a sudden the automated emergency braking system, and there's some line of code someplace in the, all this stuff that says, hey, when the automated emergency braking system starts going nuts, turn off autopilot. So autopilot's turned off so that I can tell the world that autopilot was turned off when it hit the tree. Never mind if that's the reason. So that it doesn't get confused and not concentrate on don't hit the tree. Now, let me that happened here. Did that happen here? I want to know. I don't think anybody's asked Another that question. question. Yeah. What what is strikes me about Tesla and and this event, and and I'm, I think what I'm saying is probably going to be true, is the silence of other people in this industry. You know, I would I would like to hear some leadership from other CEOs. Now, I don't know any of these people. You probably do. You know, yeah. what, what's going on with the culture? I mean, it, it could. Well, yeah, 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 we, we had we had John Rich here uh, on the summit with, um, you know, from uh, from Ford a, a, um, uh, Argo. And and he uh, he he was not really kind towards towards Tesla with respect to them, you know, just going a little bit too far and overreaching. And certainly uh, Chris Urmson's been out there saying stuff. Uh, saying basically, you know, Tesla, I think it's before this crash uh, that Tesla's uh, full self-driving is where he was in 2010, you know, when he was at Waymo one year in, you know, and type of thing. And, and uh, so there, look, the, the, the real shame here is that uh, two shames. One is, uh, is that uh, is that Tesla has all the data to make us to really learn from these things and let everybody know. But the problem is they're keeping all the data internally and they're only <laughs> giving their view of it. So of course, some of us are so cynical that say, hey, they're, they're, they're fudging it, uh, which is unfortunate because in fact, the data probably shows 
that these systems are really good and really do provide a lot of benefit. And, and it's great that he's put them out there and made them available in the marketplace. But there's not an independent entity looking at that. The other piece is that, that my goodness, there's some, we still need improvement. And I've argued, I've argued vehemently that safety should, they, these companies should not compete on safety. They should cooperate for the very statement that you made in the opening here. Okay, these are externalities. Okay, that, that in fact, they if they're not all safe, none will be safe <laughs> in a sense, right? At least on the perception of the, of the public. And, and in fact, you know, consumers, and that's the only way they're going to go anywhere. And, and, and they've not made the information available and they've not, even in the, I'll go back to the Jonathan Brown case. What is that? That's a Tesla hitting a stationary object and the automated emergency braking system not coming on. And here we are for whatever years later, still, we have automated emergency braking systems on Tesla and probably every other car that if there's a stationary object ahead, which is the same problem that, that Uber had in, in Arizona, the code in there says, forget about it. And it goes and hits it if it can't pass underneath it. And most of the objects that wanna, when one goes down the road, what does one, what does one see? Object after object after object that's stationary in the road ahead. But luckily we pass underneath all of them. They're overpasses, they're trees, they're traffic lights, they're one da da do da da da. And these things, they they can't really measure how whatever. And to avoid the false alarm, they disregard them. I think nobody's ever and you know, what I was uh, raising uh, uh, about the, the other people is you know it is important for industry to have elder states people. And, and have credibility with the public and the policy world. That's what we should be, Frank Cliff. <laughs> we're certainly elder. I don't know about statesmen, but we're elder. We're in the, we're in the academic world. We're, you know, we're, we're worse than journalists. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Right. So, you know, but I think this is, is important, really, for the evolution of any industry. And... You know, you can look back at the, the non-autonomous world. You know, Lee Iacocca, you know, tried to take that position. And he was a pretty good salesman. Let's face it. You know, he was a good advocate, of, certainly for Chrysler and arguably, you know, maybe for the industry. And certainly, I think the industry did try to get these kinds of people. And I think that's what, what autonomous, the autonomous vehicle industry, and it may not come from the auto people. It could be from the technology people, need to do. And I don't mean just being critics of Musk but being champions for the technology, right? Yeah, and yeah. You point out, look, you know, we, are, we are concerned about these safety issues. We're gonna take these constructive measures and be credible with the public. That's the problem, be credible with the public. And, and we need someone, you know, someone like that uh, to, to emerge at some point. I think that would be helpful. Well, maybe, you know, maybe that could be Bill Ford's role. I mean, Bill Ford's class of 79 at Princeton and his son is a class of 14 or something like that, whatever, you know, it, it, he could, I don't know, maybe Fred, maybe we should reach out to, 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 uh, to Bill Ford and, and see, because, you know, I, I think he's been a champion of this technology and certainly the investment in Ford Argo and all that stuff and whatever, and so on. And I think, I think uh, trying to address it properly, Mary could also be because yeah. look at what they look at what the, the beauty of of the of the Cadillac system is is that it it put you know right from the beginning it put in eye trackers to try to make sure that you don't misbehave because the fine print tells you to continue to pay attention and so they make sure as best they can that you continue to pay attention now maybe you know uh, elon thinks that because he has sensors in the seat and so on and all the excuses that are come out coming out that full self-driving or as full self-driving wasn't in the car, the autopilot may not have been turned on. That's fine. 
but it doesn't change the perception that the person may have had in that car to think, oh, yes, it is turned on. It can do this. I'm going to hop in the back, whatever, who knows. But then his, his final line of defense is the automated emergency braking system that should keep that car from hitting a tree. This It was in a 25-mile-an-hour neighborhood. How fast could it have been going? I mean, I don't know. Why well, did you, it hit you brought a tree? Up similar issues with the Tiger Woods crash. I brought out similar issues with the Tiger Woods crash. I brought out similar issues, unfortunately, years ago, maybe in one of my earlier, very earliest uh, electronic uh, uh, newsletters on on uh, on Tesla. We had a crash in Princeton, in that killed um, um, the. Um, the the um, uh, uh, rabbi for the uh, center of Jewish life in Princeton, and, and what happened in that was uh, um, a kid was driving a BMW and probably may have tried to commit suicide, mm. and in a in a road that's similar to where this crash happened, and in and tried to do that by ramming a parked car, you know, in that local street. And and that that car that he hit then went and hit another car that the rabbi was trying to get in and killed him. I mean, you know, the, the freakiest acts crash that you could think of. And I, I recall writing in that situation, why didn't BMW have in that vehicle an automated emergency braking system that would prevent the, the vehicle from hitting that first parked car. I mean, that's what automated emergency braking systems are supposed to do. I think where NHTSA is in all this, I have no idea. But, you know, I mean, these the, the, are the issue of, that you brought up, Alan, is the ability of these vehicles with the technology they have to fully take control away from an irresponsible or, or incapacitated or, driver, fully take their control away and prevent a crash. Absolutely. I, 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 in 2014, when Mercedes came out with this Tronic Plus, I ran the, 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 the dealership and I bought one. Okay. Why? Because, you know, it supposedly had automated emergency braking, that, you know, and if it's 1.6 seconds or something like that to collision, all of a sudden, you know, tightens the seatbelt, closes the windows, puts down things so that the engine doesn't, you know, take out my feet and slams on the brakes and keeps me from hitting something. So, I mean, Alan, that, that, that raises an interesting question. I'm, I'm, you know, as the economist that you have me on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, sure. I do have to raise the economics. I mean, sure. There is obviously the response. Is this something people are willing to pay for? Because, you know, you, these are not put on for free. If you puts an automatic braking, that's going to cost more. And the people have to be willing to pay for that. And, and then there becomes the question, do, do we really think that, you know, markets respond appropriately to people's willingness to pay for safety. That obviously that's a whole show but, 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 for you and I to talk about. But wait, 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 wait. The industry apparently came out and said by 2021, all the cars are going to have this and it's going to be standard equipment, just sure. like, like uh, you know, electronic stability control. That, right. you know, if I go around a curve too fast, that sucker, you know, basically takes a steering wheel and breaks and pedal, I think, out of my hands and says, oh, Alan, I'm going to keep you from losing your rear end. Thank you. But, those, but, but you're illustrating in the, the, then how market forces do work. In other words, you will first have a technology that's introduced. Yeah. And people have to warm up to it. And, you know, you're not going to have everybody wanting to pay for it. And some cars say, okay, we have a particular clientele. We put it on. People are willing to pay for it. But these may be high-end cars. And so they're, they have a higher value of life and they'll pay. But it's going to take a while for it to... You know, reach the whole entire sure, level sure. and get all people of course. on there. So I think, you know, we have that. But, you know, the, the point you're raising is, look, the selling point of AVs is safety. 
you know, how could you be driving around with a AV that doesn't even have safety standards that non-AVs have? Right, and, and which was if you go if you look at the Elaine Herzberg crash, you know, with Uber out there trying to get their AV to work, you know, they had turned off the automated emergency braking system. It saw her six seconds before it hit her. Okay, but that thing now. Come on, guys. I, I, I would have hoped after that crash, everybody would have gone back in their code, got all their code writers to go, we got to make this sucker work. And if you look at what IIHS has done and so on, you know, more than just the Subaru stops and doesn't hit things, you know, some of the other systems also work and so on. But this question of, of the automated emergency braking system has been a question with respect to Tesla's for now a while. And, and darn it, they haven't fixed it yet. They, they can do over-the-air updating better than we can do it to Mars with, with you know, the little helicopter that we just did over-the-air updating of its code so it would work. Anyway. Another launch tonight, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. be back with more. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions you may know that ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We are back with more of the Smart Driving Cars podcast, and both the NTSB and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration are investigating this, this Tesla accident, and they are asking from what I understand, Tesla to turn over all of the data. Might that be uh, really a, a big moment here that we, if they make that public at all, Alan? Well, I, I would hope they would make it public. I, I would hope, uh, I would hope uh, if they don't, some court is going to do that. And, and I can't imagine that Tesla is out there, you know, somehow, uh, altering that because as we know you know the cover-up is worse than the crime don't we we didn't we learn that watergate or something like that <laughs> I, I you know i mean if they haven't learned that lesson they need to go i don't know so it it's going to come out okay it's going to come out and 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 you know uh, and we'll learn a lot and and let, let's learn from this thing you know i i, I also you know they've done a lot of good things you know the the, the autopilot musk likes to talk about the numbers of lives that he that his technology yeah and, has and again i've i've offered to, to analyze the data for free for that they need an independent maybe cliff can do it i can do it you can i'm somebody independent they should just open up their data stuff independent don't let out any privacy stuff and so on and so forth doing an independent evaluation of that it i i've never i could never understand why he hasn't done it because it must be say it, it's got to be better it's got to be safer I, I i just can't imagine yes there are a few people who are going to misbehave okay but the preponderance of, of Tesla owners, they're like, you know, they're probably scared to death when they turn this thing on. I know that whenever I turn on my stuff on my car, you know, I'm sitting there paying attention. I don't know when it's not going to steer. Or it's not going to do stuff right. And so, um, you know, I, it's got to be better because every once in a while, you know, if when we're paying attention, we are fantastic drivers, all of us. Our problem is, is that we're human, or at least, at least I'm too human or whatever. And we go off the rails a little bit. I'm sorry, you know, and, and that's when we get ourselves into trouble. And, and the, 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 where this technology can, it doesn't need to be better than us when we're paying attention. It just has to do that all the time because we don't pay attention all the time. And you just keep that constant instead of, you know, losing it, 
that's how you get that's how you get the safety i think and it delivers that for the most part until we all of a sudden decide oh my goodness we can play games and then whew. Let, you know i don't want this to be overanalyzed to the point where we start assessing autonomous vehicles based on this experience that's the danger that's the danger we go over to the other side this is still effectively a non autonomous vehicle and the people were not using it properly as an right and they deserve the blame and go too far as to where this ought to go and make sure that avs are not going to be picking up again more more bad press again the federal government still has a role if they could step in and say okay look this is the motivation we needed here now are going to be the safety guidelines that we use no, Elon Musk, you cannot introduce yet the autonomous uh, feature on your vehicle. Not yet. You know, we are now going to lay out what the standards are for AVs. And we don't want people running around with these things in AV mode. Not yet. And, you know, th- they've got to do it. That, 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 and I still don't even know why Ooh. they won't act. Or you can run around AV mode as long as you're paying attention. But as soon as you stop paying attention, just like Cadillac tries to do with their system and so on, it 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 starts, it, it puts on the flashers, it pulls over to the side, it stops in the middle of the road, and it doesn't let you use it again until you have a note from your mother. You know, I mean, whatever. Guidelines. I know exactly when they ought to be done. You know, yeah. that's something yeah. to decide. And, but it's got to be decided. I do not know even why at this point the industry doesn't push it and say, and call up, you know, whoever at NHTSA and, and Mayor P and say, look, once and for all, let us lay out the guidelines for how these things should be used and tested and to the extent they're available, driven. Let's get it done to avoid something like this. The, the, the attempt has been made, the, the concept of an operational design domain in other words, the definition of when and where this stuff works and doesn't work has been part of supposedly the design of this. It just hasn't taken up, been up front. Elon doesn't really say that what that operational design domain is. You know, a smart someone or stupid someone, what I, what I call it, is supposed to be used only on your own property. Okay? But... Does it really well, go out there? The federal government actually does have a role. You know, yes. I'm not I'm not an advocate of, of government intervention on many things, but this is something that is their responsibility ultimately to lay out the safety standards of all cars, not autonomous and autonomous. And they just have not done it for AVs. And they, if there was motivation for them acting now, this is it. You know, this abs- is totally predictable. And I just you know, really, it's so simple. Why is nobody doing anything about this? Well, Cliff, it's, Cliff, you've written about this, that the, there's the big push in the infrastructure bill for electric vehicles, the incentives that are probably coming, et cetera, et cetera, are continuing. But there's nothing about AVs. Absolutely not. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is really incredible. I mean, Biden makes the point, China's eating our lunch on EVs, right? What about EVs? I mean, he doesn't even seem to be aware that China, I think they're complete now, have their autonomous vehicle only road that that is going to be used to help expedite adoption of AVs in Beijing. But we're doing nothing. And, and, you know, EVs are important. I agree with that. But also, you know, we do know that EVs and AVs are going to be combined. That is the ultimate vehicle that we will have. And again, there's no leadership on that front, and of course, in, in the uh, infrastructure bill, I don't see any uh, items for AVs at all. I, you know, I see more for transit. <laughs> you made, made the point about transit. I mean, you, I must say they have the best promoters of any mode in the world. You know, transit gets money and gets attention, and they have less use than telecommuting. Okay, you, you you know why that is? It's because the people that are selling the gizmos, the people that are selling this stuff in transit, the only buyer is the federal government. And so therefore, they're there. 
The people that have been developing AVs have looked to us, the consumer, the public, as being their marketplace. And in fact, have realized, in some sense, luckily, that the government doesn't have enough money to develop this thing in the first place. And two, they want to in and they think there's a real private economic drive for this that in fact you know they, they really just want the washington to stay the heck out so there's been no lobbyists down there not compared to what's in there again for the one percent of the trips that transit serves i mean it's like are you joking but <laughs> alan, alan you make a point and, and and maybe you've talked about this in other podcasts this may suggest the, the real progress in getting AV adoption is going to go through the trucks because yeah. the, the trucks, you know, will offer the government autonomous mail delivery and obviously other kinds of, of shipments and Amazon to, 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 to Amazon to live up to why you use Amazon, why I use Amazon free shipping, you know, I mean, because it makes it almost free. Go ahead, go keep yeah. going. No, no, I think yeah. Yeah. So in, in terms of all other benefits, safety, automation, and these are things the government can be a consumer of extensively. Absolutely. So of course I, they can. I think that, that that may be politically the route to expediting adoption of AVs is on the trucking side. And they seem to, you know, obviously they're out there and testing and have, have, have some yeah but they they have nobody on that may be the way we're going to eventually get to get some progress right but they have nobody on k street yeah okay there's no lobbyists you know down there in washington say and maybe it's up to us to try again a modal administration a thrust a czar whatever whatever you want to call it is is or somebody that 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 sits there now you know the the, there is a new uh, head of the uh of the R&D end of, of, of DOT and Robert Hampshire and Robert Hampshire is, you know, he, he's, he's, he's one of us. I mean, he, he, you know, he could, he could easily be made the, the, the Washington czar of, of this because, because, you know, he certainly has the intellect and the, and, and the so on to do it. And, and, but they need somebody like that. And, and, um, um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll come out of this. Look, we have an FAA that's been promoting airlines and trying to keep them, you know, on the straight and narrow to serve that, that consumer area. And, and this one definitely needs it. I do want to make one other note, uh, you know, of, of something that, that, that was good that that's come out with respect to the crash on, on, on Saturday, at least we've had the, the fire department go in there and say it wasn't a four hour fire. And in fact, the fire went so on and, and the discussions that, you know, because that the implications of the fire on the evolution of, of electric vehicles could also be, you know, uh, uh, um, a three mile island type or Chernobyl type thing that all of a sudden makes people afraid of, e- of EVs. Yes, we have a challenge with respect to, to fires with respect to batteries, but my goodness, we've had that with respect to the gas tank that we've had in cars for a hundred plus years. And uh, you know, the data does show that in fact, it's, it's not as bad as, as cars so you know don't all of a sudden say hey evs are not 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 only is it this crash bad for avs it's bad for evs um we don't want to put it in that context Uh, anyway comments on that uh uh cliff Uh, yeah no totally agreed i mean there's no i mean evs obviously are are proceeding independently but ultimately they are going to be combined with ABs. Um, and there is an education process too for, for firefighters to know how to combat these battery fires. That's course. different, obviously. Yeah, and, and they, they've learned, and as, as was pointed out, as is coming out with the police chief and so on, the other information that, that look, uh, you know, it was over-reported in the first place. Uh, you know, everybody's trying to put out the correct information. And I hope now the correct information comes out here in a sense. What we may very well need is not just improvements in autopilot or or whatever the uh, you know, the other thing 
uh, must cause it. We need, we need to get this automated emergency braking system thing to work and to work as well as the electronic stability control systems that have been mandates, mandated in all cars since 2012. And since it's been, it was mandated now more than 10, or almost 10 years ago, they're essentially on, I don't know, 80% of the fleet now that's out there because they were out there before and then mandated and so on. So, you know, um, we need to learn from this and make everything better okay, and to have to leadership. Point, Go ahead. Back to, to the other mode, sort of you know, why AVs really require a multimodal perspective from, from the policy community. I was on a, a, a podcast like uh, this for railroads. And, you know, a lot of people are going on about the STV and, you know, protecting captive shippers and, you know, that, that, that sort of old debate. And I said, look, you know, this is just a very provincial view of this industry because it is very possible in 30 years, you're going to be regulating over a graveyard. And what I meant by that is that, you know, trucks already formidable enough competitors for rail. They become autonomous. They'll be even more. They'll get the advantage, obviously, in labor costs. They're going to benefit more for that from railroads. It is not inconceivable, then think 30 years from now, that trucks will say, look, we want autonomous only truck roads. And not only that, we're not going to have two trailers. We're not going to have three. We're going to hook them all up. And we're basically going to offer the same kind of capacity that railroads can. What do you really need railroads for? Well, they become railroads without the I'm not saying this will happen, (laughs) but, you know, I'm just outlining a possibility where there's real serious question about the viability of rail transportation. Now, it's much more intuitive, I think, and you probably discussed this in other, other meetings about transit. Obviously, AVs come along and you know, uh, an industry that is, you know, continuing to lose money and a bigger and bigger subsidies is going to be totally wiped out. You know, my, my, my point is, is that AVs have implications for all the other modes and, and, and their performance and their, and their future and viability. And it really is important for the other modes to start thinking about how they could possibly interact with AVs to be more efficient and at least have some role in the system and so on and so forth. So it, it also is, again, important to have a broader multimodal perspective about how autonomous is going to change all of transportation. Uh, when, when absolutely, Cliff, absolutely, absolutely, Cliff, you know, both <laughs> modes, okay? For transit, why aren't they embracing this? Because in fact, if you have driverless mobility that you put out there, Okay, with these driverless vehicles, you are transit. What is transit? Right. It's a mobility provider. These things are mobility providers. It will allow them to go 10x instead of 1% of the trip, serve 10, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50% of the trips. This is, this is a growth. Nobody's embraced them. Essentially, oh, well, I'm going to put it on my, my, my bus rapid transit thing. Forget about it. Okay. People are going from everywhere to everywhere to, 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 all the times of the day. You don't have a chance to put 50 of them in, 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 in a vehicle. If you did, you would have done it. But they're all, and you can't do that because you can't afford it because you can't afford to pay for a union driver to be in each one of those things. So just buy a little gizmo to put on top of it and it, it happens. And all of a sudden your market share goes up. You employ even more people. There are more union workers and blah and everything. And it makes you relevant. They have railroads, same thing. Oh, we have positive train control. Get out of here. You know, uh, 50 years ago, we bought out three of the jobs of the five jobs in trains and took it from five-person crews to two-person crews. We should buy out the last two. Okay. Why aren't railroads autonomous? I mean, you know, they don't have to steer. They, they really have fence on most of the places where they don't even have to watch out for children. Okay. 
And if now you have railroads who have, I mean, no no labor cost on the movement of a, of a train, now you can run instead of 200 car coal trains, which you're not going to run downhill. I mean, what a business. You run coal trains downhill. I mean, it was a great business, but, but you're not going to do that, as you point out, in the future. Now you can have maybe just three car trains, but they go from everywhere to everywhere because the stuff needs to go from everywhere to everywhere. You don't have to wait to get 200 cars that you lumber on down every who knows what. And all of a sudden, they're, I, I, I can't believe no, you know, Burlington Northern's you know, not doing it. With this theme that you know, autonomous vehicles now, I think, are not only exposing you know, the gross inefficiencies that we have with the existing modes, but also now, and this, again, is not accounted for in the infrastructure bill, they're exposing the limitations of the infrastructure itself. Yeah. So you know, the, the two problems that, that I mentioned, I'll, let me briefly mention these and discuss them, is certainly the inadequacy of, of infrastructure policy. Uh, the lack of efficient pricing is, is obviously harmful in all respects for non-autonomous cars and certainly something that's going to potentially limit the uh, efficiency of autonomous vehicles, especially with trucks, because potholes are going to give truck car autonomous cars problems. And if we had any kind of sensible pricing of, of pavement with axle weight prices, that obviously could reduce damage to the road. And also the design of the roads. Yeah. Once you start having autonomous vehicles, you don't need these you know, fewer, wider lanes. You can have more lanes that will increase capacity and they'll be narrower. So again, these are things that autonomous vehicles will expose how the infrastructure going to be could be improved, right? And again, this is just not anything that seems to be part of government thinking. It's all very balkanized and it features what I call status quo bias. That is basically <laughs> the fundamental problem with so much of policy, certainly in transportation. This is how we did it and this is how we're going to continue to do it. And AVs are that challenge. In many ways, they really are as much of an exposure to the limitations of government policy as COVID-19 was in exposing all the weaknesses of government responses. And, and people really need to realize that you, know, you have a shock, an innovation, whatever, and government is just not prepared for it. But it, it needs to be because it's coming. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you you make a very good point there, there, uh, Cliff, in saying that look, with respect to with respect to the to the to COVID, COVID, this was something government had no control over, and it came in upon the population and whatever. In some sense, AVs are the same way. The investment community picked up on this and has put enormous money on the table. And the government worldwide, has a, worldwide, worldwide, worldwide. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's because Adam Jonas, you know, whatever years ago said this is a ten trillion dollar industry just moving things, you know, and therefore, and you can move them essentially, you know, with 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 bits and 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 computers, and all of a sudden get entities that are that are going to be valued more than Toyota, and and in some sense. Tesla proved that and without even going all the way to, to, to AVs and 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 in some sense yeah that you know that the, the fundamental economy of the world is seeing that this piece of 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 the of the of the of the economy this sector this 15% or whatever mobility happens to be in the in the whole global economy all of a sudden can be transformed because because you're basically taking a labor component that is a variable cost on that sucker and you're removing you're you're reducing it reducing it reducing it doing a lot better and you know as good a job as as that that ship that that froze up the 
the, the Suez Canal in terms of, you know, you know, labor, labor component. It should have been autonomous. And we will have autonomous. <laughs> it, could, it may have been. I don't know. It, well, no, it probably, we will probably, have autonomous ships. Probably would have been better if it was autonomous because somebody there didn't take appropriate account of the wind and so right. on. But we would write that in our code. Trust me, my students would put that in the code. OK, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, and 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 this is this is this is a major part of the global economy for which the investment sector has said, "My goodness, this is this is this is this is big." That's as, as good a note as any. To end this one, I think, and we really want to thank uh, Cliff for joining in today. Cliff, terrific. Is there a place people can go to get more info on the work that you're doing? Brookings, it's just my name in Brookings. We'll do Terrific. it. Thank you so much. I mean, great insight. Yeah. And Cliff, we, we've, we've got to, yeah, Cliff, let's reach out. Let's see if anybody wants to come on with Robert, us or something. No, well, I haven't. I went to Princeton. Yeah, no, yeah, no. He was in our department. He got a PhD for my department. I know. I know. I love him dearly. I, I didn't want, I haven't wanted to reach out on to him because because I don't want to put them in a corner. Okay, oh, I don't want to. Put, I don't want to put anybody in the corner, huh? Get Mayor Pete on. Yeah, no, but but Secretary Pete now. Secretary. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I guess I'm waiting for them to call us instead of. But maybe you know we can sort of, we, we can find a way to to do this so that so that. I want to do it as you want to do it. You we want to do it in a constructive way. Sure, no, it's a okay. Policy. You know, yeah, no, it, no, it's a policy. It's a discussion. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes, I I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves. But I, I, I think have, it's I have a, a good idea. Yeah. Okay. C.C. Rouse is from your university, right? She's chair of of Council of Economic Advisors, right? The AVs are of huge importance to the economic community and obviously should be of interest to the CEA. It would be good to actually start maybe with CC and maybe someone from DOT and then, you know, some independent people. Uh, I would obviously volunteer myself. And in a sense, CC could sort of moderate as, as to try to see, you know, what are the really ways to sort of move forward to help a broad range of economic and social issues that she is concerned with. Yeah, and uh, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's a very good suggestion because, because it, my personal interest in, in, in autonomous taxis and driverless mobility and increasing transit and so on is really, I mean, seriously focused on, on those that have been left behind by the automobile, okay? Uh, because, because if transit could serve them, they would be serving them. The, the reason they're not served is, darn it, it's it, with conventional stuff where you have to have a driver in there. It is expensive for every trip because the person needs to, to go home and feed, feed his or her family, send their kid to Princeton and so on and whatever. I mean, that's expensive. Whereas a computer doesn't feed anybody. It doesn't have a kid to send to Princeton. And in fact, with scale, you know, you can you can actually see the at least I can see the cost goes to zero. Okay, or very, very attractive. But we have work to do. It has to be good. We can't oversell it. We have to be careful where we put it and we have to do it carefully. So let's do it. And and then and then it really helps as we began this thing with a lot of the fundamental so it's now a social issue, a social problem. This business of you know saying we're going to mobility of of the of the economically challenged folks is you know give them the get them a jalopy or get them a car. But if they if they can't afford to maintain the, the brake light so that it, they, they, they have a, a broken tail light, all that just gets ugly too easily. And, 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 there, and there, there might be simple ways for us to do this, to bring all this together. So I think 
both economically and socially, both are fundamentally important. And also if we share the vehicles a little bit, it gets us a little bit better together coming out of COVID instead of being, you know, all hood. You know, anyway, I don't know. I, those are to me are the real great opportunities with all this and we should try to make it happen. Well, we want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us, once again, at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also ask your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please continue to stay safe. Cliff, thank you very much. This was fun, and hey, we have work to do.